Your husband is far from perfect, right? Well, guess what? So are you. Here's pastor, author, and yes, imperfect husband, Crawford Loritz. The ability to express forgiveness, the ability to say I'm sorry, the ability to say I'm wrong is terribly important. To be married means of necessity, you're going to have to forgive. This is the Revive Our Hearts podcast with Nancy DeMoss Walgamuth, author of Choosing Forgiveness, for July 25th, 2019. All this week, Nancy has been joined by Crawford and Karen Loritz to talk about building a marriage that matters for generations to come. You can listen to previous parts of this conversation at reviveourhearts.com. Well, if you've been listening for the past several days, you've enjoyed, as I have, the conversation we've been having with Crawford and Karen Loritz talking about marriage and the fact that your marriage is not just for today, but that it's also sowing seeds for a legacy that you're leaving for a time you cannot see, for tomorrow, and uh, talking about the importance of being missional in marriage but also giving us some really practical helps and handles for how to build a marriage that honors the Lord, no matter what your background may be, no matter what baggage or dysfunction you may have brought into your marriage, there is hope. That's been the message resonating throughout these past several days. So Crawford and Karen have been longtime friends. You served for many years in what was then known as Campus Crusade for Christ, now Crew, and uh, you've been speakers on the Family Life marriage team, weekend to remember. You may have heard Crawford and Karen there pastoring in Atlanta, Georgia area. And our paths have crossed over the years, (laughs) and I've always been so thankful. And now, as a kind of newlywed myself, I'm really grateful for this book that you've written and for the practical resource that it is for me. I read it not once, but twice. And I'm so thankful (laughs) that we can be offering it to our listeners this week. Thank you for joining us here on Revive Our Hearts. Thank you for having us. It's great to be here, Nancy. Okay, today we're going to talk about Conflict, oh which I know you guys never have. No, um, no, no, but we all know there's no such thing as a conflict-free marriage. That's right. And if you have had no conflict in your marriage, it's because you haven't been married more than probably a few hours or days. <laughs> yes, um, you are two strong people. Yes, you're very different. Yes, and that's true of Robert and me as well. And I think it's in some way true of you know, most couples and sinner married to a sinner. So this is all a recipe for differences, for disagreements. And sometimes those differences are about things that you think, you know, like no big deal. It's just one opinion versus another, but it's amazing how even those little things can escalate (laughs) and we can find like, this really matters to me to be right in this situation. And uh, you are very honest as you've written about this, as you've talked about it, that You've had your share of conflicts yeah. in 47 years of marriage. Yeah. And if you weren't going to tell us, we could ask your kids. Oh, yeah. And yeah, they <laughs> could tell us. We They'll give you chapter sure. and verse. Yeah. yeah. And even probably the way that you approach conflict yeah. Yeah. in a marriage can be different, right? Absolutely. So you know how your parents yeah. did it. Yeah. or yeah. Um, So get us started yeah. on how to think about conflict. Well, you know, I want to say a couple of anchor statements about conflict because I think uh, when you hear the word conflict, all of a sudden everybody gets defensive. We have it, but you sort of pull back from it. 
The truth of the matter is there's no such thing as real intimacy without conflict. Conflict, when you stop and think about it, what makes a friendship a deep, rewarding friendship? It's when you go through the war together. When you've gone through the (laughs) That's exactly right. When you've offended one another, you've gotten close to one another, and you've worked through some things and you resolve them, it's sweet. And the reason why Karen and I today, now we still have disagreements, we still have arguments and stuff like that. But the reason why we don't disagree as much today is because we've been through those things before Mm -hmm. and we've resolved them or put them in perspective. And And now you're closer. And now we're closer. I know it's 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 hard to embrace this, and and I'm thinking of young couples that sit around my table just before they're getting married in my office, and and when I ask them, you know, so how do you deal with conflict? And their eyes glaze over because you know they're in that phase where they say, "Well, we're not going to have." What are you talking really? about? We love each other. <laughs> it's all going to work out, but there cannot be intimacy without that. And so the issue in conflict, as you know, our dear friend Dennis Rainey has said for years, the issue in conflict is is not whether it's right or wrong; it's a given that you're going to have it. You're going to have it. Uh-huh. So. You got to quickly get to the place. Well, what are you going to do when you do have it? How do you handle it? Well, it's in the handling of conflict that either makes it constructive or destructive. Well, yeah, let me roll back because I can remember (laughs) in our earlier days of marriage, Crawford and I come from two completely different backgrounds. His family, he and his sisters and his little small family, family five or six when you count his uncle, they just hashed everything out. They were very verbal with each other, loving with each other, have all kinds of different opinions. But around the dinner table, they just talked a lot and had conversations on things. And when I was with them getting to know this man, I thought they were arguing and not liking each other. Because in my little small family with my mom and my my two brothers, we just didn't confront each other. Everything was, you just do you, I just do me. And so when Crawford and I got together... He is what I call a um, a blower. Not that he blows up, but he likes to get things out in the open. Yeah, I don't and, erupt. No, you don't erupt. All right, okay. So. But you're going to say it. Hey, what I'm going to say. You're going to be more direct. <laughs> right, yeah, I was yeah, yeah. a stuffer. I remember the first time we had what we call a marital adjustment time. It wasn't a, an argument. We called it a marital adjustment well, time. Well, it was an argument, <laughs> but that's another thing. <laughs> it was a I'm mar- sorry about this. Yeah, right. yeah, a marital adjustment time. I remember, we were laying in bed, and there was one issue that he just wanted to solve that night. And I figured, you know, why are we talking about this now? You know, like it'll go away. But he was come from the persuasion that let's just get things and talk about this issue because the issue will not resolve itself. And I was saying, well, let's not deal with it now. It'll be okay. I would stuff it. And so we've come from two different streams. But she's making me sound more noble than I really was. Actually, I'm impatient. Yeah. And so. You want to fix it now. Yeah, let's fix it now, which was probably not very mature. And I thought it would just go away. Yeah, which was also not very mature. It was not mature at all. So we've had to learn over the years how blowers need to calm down and everything does not need to be solved right then and there. And stuffers like me need to come out and trust the conversation enough and deal with one issue at a time and not let it get till it's erupting like a yeah, volcano. Well, yeah, and I, I would add to that, sweetheart, that stuffers need to understand, blowers need to understand, obviously, that, you know, in a lot of words, you can hurt somebody. 
Mm-hmm. You can exacerbate the problem by talking too much and, and pushing too hard and going too fast, and that's not good. That doesn't end well. The flip side of that, though, is that stuffers need to understand that problems do not solve themselves through, you know, because you're silent. In fact, yeah. and, and the other thing is that, you know, you can you, sometimes people who are a little conflict averse and let's face it, everybody should be a little bit conflict averse. I'm a little nervous about somebody who wants to fight all the time. But uh, those who are particularly conflict averse need to understand that not only do problems not solve themselves by not talking about them, it exacerbates the issue and you can become more passive aggressive. But you, everybody deals with conflict. There's no such thing as not dealing with conflict. Right. You're going yeah, to deal with it. One way or another. One way or another, yeah. Absolutely. But we came to some, I think you came up with this plan for us to um, set aside a specific time in our calendar to talk about a specific issue and then to talk it through, which helped out, helped me to talk those things through instead of stacking issues on top of each other, deal with one issue at a time. Yeah. And so having those times the discussion times to walk through helped me to learn how to talk through yeah those issues and not stuff it down then you slowed down being a blower and listen to me so having those things on our schedule scheduled yeah. times to talk things through and constant communication yeah, that helped good, us yeah. out you know spending some time each day setting aside a little bit of time there and Time each week that's prolonged and that kind of thing. Whether yeah. it was about kids or finances. Finances always got me a little bit nervous. But. Yeah, yeah. In the early days, we didn't have much to talk no, about finances. No, we didn't have much to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> much money. That's right. And Karen, you've seen a lot of conflict in oh. your home of origin. Yes. So this is something you're not wanting to characterize your marriage. No, there was a lot of, between my mother and stepfather, there were nights that I would couldn't even go to sleep because they were fussing downstairs having these arguments. And so I stayed away from arguments. I didn't want. I want everything to be peaceful and quiet, and everybody to get along, because I was raised with that. And when I got married to Crawford, and here I am a Christian, that was not the right way to handle things. And it's interesting that the things that breed conflicts are our differences, right? Right. Yeah. Which are also the very things that often draw us to each other. So yeah. the things that we're mesmerized about when we're dating, yeah. yeah. Then we get married, and we say. Well, you're different than I am. Well, of course. <laughs> That's, right. That's why you were attracted to each other. Exactly. Exactly. You know, what was so cute and endearing <laughs> is now a nuisance because you got to live with it, you know, and uh, you, you're not going away from it, which sets us up for one of the principles of conflict. You know, different is not necessarily wrong. It's just different. And we've got to – there's a difference between differences and weaknesses, you know, mm-hmm. Um now, weaknesses need to be worked on and we need to help. But even weaknesses, you got to be careful that, uh, you know, weaknesses are only changed in the con- in the context of, of grace and love and unconditional, you know, acceptance of one another. So you have to be careful there. You keep hammering on a weakness. That's right. It's going to get probably worse, not that's better. That's right. That's right. And, and uh, differences are not necessarily weaknesses. They're just differences. I mean, there's little things that we do to irritate one another. I, I mean, I love what Gary Chapman says. You know, he wrote The Five Love Languages. He talked about his wife, Carolyn, uh, uh-huh. when they first got married. She just had this, in his mind, this terrible habit of not closing cabinet doors, just would leave them open. And he would just get bent out of shape. And then finally it dawned on him and said, okay. Just close the doors. 
Well, why, why, why worry about that? And and it was fine. You're giving yourself ulcers and her probably. So I think now this sounds strange because we live in this culture that how you feel is universal and is the standard. But what we have learned through these years is that you got to choose what offends you. Oh yeah. In other words, you know there are make or break issues for 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 sure. But you know you have to put some of these offenses in categories. You have to stop and think. Okay, is is this is this a hindrance to our oneness in marriage? Is it worth losing our peace it, over? That's right. Or is this a little something that I just don't like? Well, if it's something that I just don't like, maybe I'll get around to it later on. But I'm not going to pour all of my emotional energy into that. I can. I just have to say, forget it. Life is too short. Let it go. Let it go. Every single and somebody's listening to us and say, I just can't do that. Well, I would challenge you. You do that every day. Or else you can't survive. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are issues on your job. There are issues in this kind of thing. You say, and if you pour out all of your emotional capital on every little thing, you're going to be a mess. And I think it's the same in a marriage. You have to say, okay. I mean, there. Karen looks at me today, and this is hilarious because she'll say this to me. <laughs> she'll probably say it to me before the day is over. I'll do something that kind of bugs her, irritates her, and she'll just say, well, that's just Crawford being Crawford, you know. Well, I mean, I say it, I just let it go. But let me tell you about the suitcase. Here's the oh, suitcase story. No, here we go. <laughs> so I was hoping been... to get away without this. <laughs> Mrs. Ponder, um, my spiritual mother, the one that loved me in my church and was my Elizabeth in my life, the one that prayed for me, gave me encouraging words, and, you know, cheered me on to be the godly wife. So Mrs. Ponder had been praying for me, you know, making sure that I'm, you know, being a good wife and godly wife and all that kind of good stuff. And so we were working on me just going beyond just what I wanted to do in the house and serve my husband. And um, God gave me a, a lesson. Crawford was traveling with crew, and he would come home and take his suitcases and leave them anywhere in the, in the bedroom and just thinking that, his laundry were going to pop out of the suitcase and just wash itself instead of me going <laughs> into the exactly. suitcase. Yes, yes, it was. <laughs> that used to irritate me to no end. And so that went on for a couple times, and it was time for him to go on another trip and couldn't figure out why his suitcase was still not unpacked. And I just, you know, just had a big—we had a marital adjustment time about the suitcase. It's an argument. <laughs> and so Mrs. Ponder, you know, she she didn't know all the details, but she just wanted to check me on, am I serving my husband? Well, I was I had four children. We had three of them in school. I was running the house while he's out doing ministry for several days. And he would come back and just leave his suitcase and all the rest of that. And it went on and on. It was irritating me. It was making me disappointed in my husband. So we would have a marriage. The listeners think I'm a slob, Karen. Well, no, 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 no. (laughs) The way Mrs. Ponder was helping me is that I needed to serve you and help you to unpack the suitcase and do your laundry myself. Can I tell them how you served me, though, in that? Yeah, how did Did I I finish that off for you? Well, <laughs> so here's the rest of that story. <laughs> she did serve me, and her way of serving me was because I didn't take the suitcases and put them back where they should be. She was getting exasperated with me and not and telling me about that, so she didn't say anything. She just put them in the doorway, the of suitcase, the bedroom, of the and, bedroom. And what did so Crawford do? I walked over it because. Um, he walked over the suitcase. Yeah, but that, so did, that didn't last decision, long because you, you, I got some words of encouragement from you about <laughs> doing that. And but that uh, was a, they were, that was the last yeah. time I did that though because I was being mean 
and um, being ugly towards my husband, not serving him. Yeah. Because all all the other things. So I needed to I learn how to— I think the listeners to, are hearing more than they really need to know. I needed to, know, to so. learn how to serve my husband in that way. Even that that was a small—that was a small thing. Um, Mrs. Ponder pointed it out to me that it was my, you know, lack of humility in serving my husband, you know, thinking that I needed more attention than what I wanted to give my husband. So anyway— that marital adjustment time worked out because I went ahead and served my husband by moving the suitcase and not letting it be a source of tension in our marriage. So really, you were having to learn to, one, pick your battles. Pick my battles. This is something I can let go. Yes. And I'm thinking about that phrase. We talked about it earlier in this series from 1 Corinthians 13. Love is not irritable yes. or resentful. Yes. That's right. Yes. And, and that be- becomes kind of the, the measuring stick, yeah. right, for yeah. am I loving well? So you say, does that mean I'm supposed to do everything for my husband? He doesn't do anything for himself. He, you know, We're not saying that. that right. Because right. if you're both learning to right. love and you're both humbling yourself, yes. then sometimes he's going to say, you know, I need to – did you ever change your ways about your suitcase? I did. I, I have. So and, it happened. And, well – I had to put them away. Happy wife, happy life. And so <laughs> I did So you that. both did some give yeah, and take we, in that. We did. We did. We laugh about that now. I mean, she has me. I'm I'm really domesticated now on balance. You take care of your own suitcases. Yes, you do I a good do. job. But well, we both you. had to. The, the, the thing of it is, is that I had to choose what offends me. And I just needed to grow up. And just do the godly thing. Well, we, we both needed to grow up and stop reacting to each other and start responding. That's right. Yeah, to one another. And I, you know, I, I want to say this here: I, married people, of course, you know, we need to be who we are with one another, and there's no pretense and in, in this kind of thing. And you know, the whole naked and not ashamed is 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 the principle of transparency with one another. And now, having said that. I think, though, we need to not be picky people. Yeah, not fragile, not, not easily fragile offended. And not 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 picking on one mm-hmm. another. And so maturity says that, you know, the more mature you get, your tolerance for certain things should grow. Yeah. And you also start getting perspective. Like, yes. What yes. difference is this going to make yes. a year from now or 10 years from now? That's right. And you know what else I'm thinking as I'm listening to you? How— Differently, we treat people that we're not as close to. Yes. Things that we would make allowances for. Yes. Or assume the best of in somebody at work or another church member. We wouldn't let that get under our skin. We wouldn't, you know, demand that they see it our way. But somehow within the people within the four walls of our own home, we take liberties to not extend grace when yes. that's where we should be extending the most grace. Yeah, you know, Nancy, what you just said, I, I don't I don't know exactly remember when it was, but probably about 25, 30 years ago, it dawned on me that nobody should treat my wife better than I do. Hmm. Yes, that's good. Nobody. Yeah. Nobody should honor her better than I do. Nobody should invest in her more than I do. And that uh, in the name of me just, quote, being myself and relaxing does not give me permission to be petty and nasty and irritable and all of that stuff, that I am to bless her. And both ways. It, it works. It works both ways. But I actually think if you had that mindset, then what that does, it, it builds, which is one of the principles of resolving conflict, it builds trust and transparency, which helps you, you know, you, you're not you're not guessing whether or not you have that person's heart. Right. That's not on the table. The issue's on the table. 
But if you act in such a way in which you're, you're sniping at one another and you're getting all bent out of shape, you're disproportionate about issues mm-hmm. and you're reacting to one another. And assuming the worst rather than ass- the best that's of each right. other. And assuming the worst, then, of course, the other person is going to react to you. Yeah, so, I think sometimes I reacted to you out of insecurity. And so I really wasn't trusting you and I wasn't being honest with you because I was insecure. Can I, can I really share my feelings Towards you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and that insecurity works both ways. Yeah. I was insecure as well. Right. You know, I was threatened. And, and sometimes people with my personality, when you're insecure, you tend to act more autocratic and that kind of thing. Well, really, it's just camouflage for being a little boy, you know, and mm-hmm. not having your way. And yeah. uh, and you get very, very demanding. And, 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 and say that it louder. Kind of thing. That you say it louder, <laughs> right, thinking that, you know, that makes it that makes it right. But it's it's that you know trust and transparency, and the other the other principle about resolving conflict is that you know you have got to be a forgiver, not just express forgiveness. Hmm. You have got to be a forgiver, and uh, one of the questions I've learned to ask young couples when in, in early on in premarital sessions is is tell me about your ability to forgive. Yeah. Because to be married means, of necessity, you're going to have to forgive. Now, I'm not talking about a cheap forgiveness or forgive, uh, confusing reconciliation and forgiveness. They're, they can be two different things. Mm-hmm. But the ability to express forgiveness, the ability to say I'm sorry, the ability to say I'm wrong without qualification or you know uh, weasel words or backing it up or this kind of thing— is terribly important. And here's how it works in conflict. If Karen knows that I I am going to be tender toward her and I, that I'm going to forgive her because I'm thinking that may not be my issue, but I got some issues too. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be my turn one day. Yeah. Then that, that takes the defensiveness away. It just sort of, and it, it helps you to move toward the issue itself. So, you know, a lot of this stuff about resolving conflict is not so much about strategies to deal with certain issues. Sometimes it's that. But it's more about your own personal maturity. And your own recognition of your own sinfulness. Exactly. And the fact that I need God's grace and forgiveness every day. That's right. How can I withhold it from my husband? That's right. And those principles that we apply to other people need to be applied at home. I mean, you don't don't look at this little speck in somebody else's eye, and you got this big log in your own eye. Yeah. It's self examination, and uh, but don't we tend to think the opposite? Oh, we look yeah. at the other person's imperfections and put them, you know, oh. under a microscope and yeah. see our own with yeah. a telescope. We yeah. can coffee can be ninety eight percent spot on, but it's that two percent that can drive me crazy and drive him crazy because I'm after him. So I have to learn. Learn that. But I was thinking, too, that people that have been raised like an environment like I was raised, single parent home, you know, dysfunction, whatever the stories, my vocabulary did not have the words, I'm sorry, or will you forgive me? Mm-hmm. I wasn't so you had re- to learn that. Right. I'm, yeah. st- I'm still learning that. It's just those words do just not even come out of my mouth easily. So we've had to learn in marriage, what are the words that are godly words that are in scriptures that I need to put into my vocabulary Mm. that will help my husband, our marriage, to be all that God wants it to be? Finding that spelling list, 
and put it, those words in. You know, Nancy, one of the things I've learned, whether it's conflict in our marriage or, you know, I have some positions of leadership and you have to confront, unfortunately, this underbelly of it. You have to confront people about certain things and that you disagree. There are three words the Lord has always whispers to me when I step into it. Uh, this is particularly when I'm angry about something mm-hmm. or something is I'm really upset about something. It's it's a, it's offended me. I've learned to back up a little bit because if I speak when I'm angry, typically I'll say a paragraph more than needed to be said. And something you're going to regret. That's right. It doesn't end well. But I've learned to back up a little bit. But, but these three words come to mind. Transparency, empathy, and compassion. Mm-hmm. Those three words. No, tell the truth. No one's ever helped by not telling totally 100% of what's true. But do it in such a way where you put yourself in that person's position as they're listening to that truth. That's empathy. That's empathy. And that empathy will inform your heart, which is compassion. Yeah. And I think that has helped me even in, in our relationship and with our kids as they were growing up. Just back up a little bit, okay? You need to tell them the truth. You need to put yourself in their situation. And you need to have heart about it. And I think yeah. if we can keep that in mind, it, it goes a long way. Well, lots more practical wisdom here in this book that you've written. And it's, you know, it's it's not like PhD stuff. It's simple, but it takes humility mm. and it takes God's grace, connecting with God's grace, recognizing that I'm a sinner, I need forgiveness, mm. and then applying that in what should be the most natural place in the earth to apply it is to our marriage relationship. Mm-hmm. But sometimes that's the hardest place yeah, yeah, to apply absolutely. it. So I thank you. Karen and Crawford for your transparency and for letting us learn from your mistakes mm. and also from your walk with the Lord. Mm. And in this little book, Your Marriage Today and Tomorrow, you give this kind of rich content and help for marriages at every season in every kind of situation. And I know uh, we've got a lot of listeners who've been like on the edge of their seat listening to this conversation and thinking, we need a dose of this. Mm-hmm. We need a dose mm-hmm. of God's mm-hmm. grace mm-hmm. in our marriage. You know, listen, this book isn't going to solve your problems. Mm-hmm. Christ is the one Amen. who's going to yeah. point Amen. you to what you need. And you may want to just bow your heart right now and say, mm-hmm. Lord, mm-hmm. our marriage has been tense. It's been angry. I've been tense. I've been angry. I've been demanding. I've been unreasonable. Or I feel like there's this constant tension in our marriage. And Lord, I just mm-hmm. want you to... Mm-hmm to change me, to infuse your grace into our marriage, to help us. We need you. We need your wisdom. And uh, lift up your marriage to the Lord. Lift up your own heart to the Lord. Lift up your mate to the Lord. And say, Lord, help us step back and give us that transparency, that empathy, that compassion that's the heart of Christ, mm-hmm. and really believe that God can bring about a whole new way to your marriage, mm-hmm. a whole new tone, a whole new spirit. And it's not going to change overnight, but maybe you just want to start with something like those words, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. I was wrong about that. Mm-hmm. Would you please forgive me? Don't wait for your mate to say those words. Mm-hmm. You be the first. Robert and I talk often about 
racing to the cross. Amen. See who can get there first. Mm -hmm. And uh, that passage in Romans 12, outdo one another Mm -hmm. in showing honor. Mm -hmm. How can we show honor rather than disrespect or disregard for each other? How can we esteem each other as better than ourselves? And if I sound like any Mm -hmm. expert, please know I'm not. We're new at this. We're learning Mm -hmm. this. We're growing in this every day. But there is grace. There is help. There is hope. And I want to encourage you, um, if you make a donation of any amount to the Ministry of Revive Our Hearts, we want to send you a copy of this really practical, helpful book on marriage, your marriage today and tomorrow. Give us a call at 1-800-569-5959, or contact us online at reviveourhearts.com. Let us know you'd like to make a donation to help not only marriages like yours, but other marriages around the world of people who are looking for hope and help and healing. And then uh, let us know that you'd like a copy of Crawford and Karen's book on marriage, and we'll be glad to send that to you. And Lord, we just pray for mercy, grace, and help, and hope, and healing for many, many marriages. Uh, One mate's listening today. They wish the other mate was listening, but you determined which one was going to be listening. And that's the one you want to speak to first. So have your way, and we pray that you would bring about a whole new, fresh work of grace in many hearts, many marriages, as a result of this conversation. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Revive Our Hearts with Nancy DeMoss Walgamuth wants you to experience freedom through forgiveness. The program is an outreach of Life Action Ministries.